The illogic of waste, Mr. Spark. The waste of lives, potential resources, time. I submit to you that your empire is illogical because it cannot endure. It is September 14th, 2023. This is Thought Provoking Blokes. I'm Matt in Geistown Borough, where I've been rubbing the we were right juice all over us this week. Oh, oh thanks, thanks for that visual. Um, well, I'm Steve in Southern Bedford County, where the cool weather has finally come to us. It's fall. Leaves are beginning to change. No more humidity, no more blazing heat like we're down in the south or anything. So I'm just tickled pink. It did, uh, like, honest, like that couple of days after last week, we had warm, hot weather. And then all of a sudden, the leaves just were like up here. We're done. Yep. Yeah. They're dropping all over the place down here, which is nice. Because like this morning, I went out on my back deck to drink my coffee. It was 50 degrees. I actually had to put on a shirt that was longer than a t-shirt, you know, long sleeve shirt. It was, a little, it was a bit cool, which was nice. I was out and about today, and it was a little cold. I'm like, oh, geez. But, um, no. yeah, sorry for the visual there at the start. But yeah, I just had yeah. to think about uh, last so, week we talked about the idea of tourism and if things change and people's interests change, what happens mm -hmm. and yeah, no one ever sees that. Yeah, we talked about the generational difference between my generation and yours. Yeah. And yeah. like 12 hours after we recorded, mm -hmm. they ended Thunder in the Valley. <laughs> they, oh, you mean uh, Johnstown? Yes. Really? So like Thunder in the Valley doesn't happen anymore? Or... Well, here's the here's the uh, the breakdown. The Visitors Bureau who had been running it said they didn't make profit. Okay. And it's not worth doing. But they're talking and looking to have other people step in. Now, from a business perspective, if I told you, Steve, I don't need you to come in and buy my business. Now, I'm losing money and it doesn't attract people. Take over my business. What's your reaction as a business person? Hard pass. That's what I would tend to think. Yeah, but it's interesting that you say that because the visitors... And this I didn't know. The Visitors Bureau of Johnstown was running Thunder in the Valley. Yeah, that's a, that's a genuine question. It's not sort. No, it's not yes. sarcastic. Okay, that's interesting because down here, next month we have fall foliage. It's two weekends that the borough is blocked off, except for the main road going through because it's a state road. You can't block it off. They block off basically a six-block area, and fall foliage runs. And it does one weekend and then there's a week break and then, but all the vendors are still out there. And then, I mean, all the booths are set up and then the next weekend it comes in. It's one of the bigger events that we have here for tourism, but it's not run by the visitors bureau. Yeah. It's run by an entirely separate committee that's been around for I don't know, 20 years plus mm -hmm. members are voted in and everything. There's business people in it and there's, you know, just normal people who don't run businesses and there's vendors who are part of it. So that's a whole separate thing unto itself. And they now they coordinate with the Visitors Bureau and with the borough for the dates and, you know, all the, you know, because you have to have, it's a lot, like, it takes a lot of coordination, but it's a whole separate entity unto itself. Sure. So I, I didn't realize, I thought, I genuinely thought Thunder in the Valley was run by a separate committee, not by the Visitors Bureau. No, it's, it's Visit Johnstown, which is the uh, Johnstown Visitors Bureau. Huh. What I thought was interesting because they had Thunder in the Valley this year, and a lot of people were come like no one was here when you were living up here. It was ridiculous. It was constant traffic yeah. and noise. Yeah. Um. And we lived in Richland. Yeah, and there and were people was... who drove town through town and didn't even know anything was going on. Yeah. This year, but hmm. in in true fashion, and why you always have to doubt whatever you read, especially in the in the media, especially in the paper. Um, after so many years, sometimes this is a quote, after so many years, sometimes the years start to seem to mesh together. I think it's great. I've said it before. It's not an easy thing to sustain a large event over the time span with all the changes. A lot of motorcycle rallies have come and gone in other areas. 
a lot of major events have come and gone in other areas. The uh, that was the director of Visit Johnstown. Hmm. Um, big thing. This is um, how great it was this year. Um, no estimates of figures, economic impact. Vendors talked about experiences. Um, we sent pictures. This, this, this is this the is article the, you're reading. This is the article. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, so sounds pretty positive. Yeah. June 26, 2023. Oh, just a couple months ago. Two and a half oh. months. Yeah. We're broke. Oh. Never mind. Bye. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> yep. We're out of here. Maybe, maybe I would suggest instead of just dumping it, that the the Visitors Bureau should turn it over to see if there is a committee that would want to be formed to run it independently, like they do down here in Bedford mm-hmm. for the, the, you know, for the, uh, because fall foliage is a, is a big thing. Now for all of us locals that live here, that's two weekends. We don't go to town. We make sure we're not near town. Yeah. That's, that's the running joke. It's like, there's so many bloody, you know, visitors here. The town is choked with people. It's quite, and it's, it's a well done event. Um, maybe they, instead of just dropping it, they should see if there a, a group of people would want to get together, form an official committee, do a charter, do the whole nine yards and let them be put in charge of it. Instead yeah. of the visitors bureau. And that, that way it's off the political side of being within politics of the bureau and the borough and the, Oh, it had, it had evolved into and, vendors and, food trucks coming in and the local vendors some were some were happy and that the restaurants were there and others were cut out of the price it was it was it's political it's a political. lot of political a lot yeah. of behind the scenes right. kind of stuff and and yeah. you know i i just besides all of that i think it was the interesting point that that we were right in the oh, concept yeah. of you, right. you tie your wagon to one thing, mm-hmm. and what happens when the when the wagon burns down? You got nothing left. Yeah. So. But uh, so, see, when you listen to this podcast, you are in the know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have to prove us wrong. Yeah, have to prove us wrong. So, hey, you <laughs> redecorated a little bit since last time I talked to you. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, I, one of my projects over. I guess it'd be the end of last winter was I put in new flooring in my den slash office. I redid all the walls, hand sanded all the walls, got them right, repainted everything. And I've been putting up pictures and stuff like that. So uh, you can't see much, but I've got some um, civil, some very famous civil war paintings behind me. Um, Now the one off to my left, your right, it's the battle of Chickamauga. Um, okay. Tennessee. Um, the reason why that's important is um, my great great grandfather fought at the Battle of Chickamauga. He was with Sherman's army, who was doing their march from the north down through the south and everything. And he that was one of the places that he fought. In fact, if, if the um, the discharge papers that we have, that's where he was he was shot. That's where he got shot in the knee. You know, it was a flesh wound, wasn't bad, but he's still wounded. And back then, you know, when they're shooting this, you know the a roll of quarters at you that lead ball getting hit with one's not very healthy. Um, but well, plus also, you know, no antibiotics and no, I am. Oh yeah. And they didn't wash their hands before going from one patient to the next. Yeah. So it was rather risky. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that was the battle of Chickamauga. And then I've got some few, you know, famous paintings. One's from, um, right behind me. That is from, um, Harper's Ferry, and then off to my right, it's uh, Fredericksburg over mm. Maryland area. You know, so anyway, yeah, the interesting. Rest, the rest, yeah, but yeah. that's a big background you have because you talked to your great grandfather there, and mm-hmm. and you are of a lineage. Uh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. Service. Well, we're, we're Frenchmen. Um, we were. A lot of people don't know. And I'm still friends with you. I know. I'm sorry about that. Well, uh, well, Frenchman as in heritage, not that I'm French. I am an American. Um, 
a lot of people don't know that during the Revolutionary War, the 33,000 Frenchmen came over to fight the Revolutionary War, to fight for the American independence. And I've seen the Patriot. We, yeah, we and we stayed. Um, we stayed in Pennsylvania and then kind of migrated out from there. So um, pretty much every generation has served predominantly in the Army and the Navy. Um, I served, I started off in the Army and then switched over to the Marine Corps. And um, then I started doing research. And then I found out that my family in the Marine Corps goes back almost a hundred years of serving in the Marines. And, uh, and now my son has continued that legacy or tradition, whatever you want to call it. And so we're now a hundred plus years wow. of serving in the Marines. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. How do you, how did that change? Like, cause I like talking to you about that because I get into the different aspects of it. It's something that I don't have familiarity with. Mm -hmm. Um, with with everything you see what 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 was that like then and i'm not trying to imply that you're old oh i am oh i admit you're that. old i'm old <laughs> <laughs> but remember we always rename this show near dead and closer to near dead yeah near yeah um so compared to now and and what do you, what's your take on that like well because it's a perspective again i don't get like i do yeah. local government Right. Um, well, when I when I first joined up, I was 19. I had been um, politely asked to leave Towson State University due to poor academic performance. Uh, I got kicked out. Um, so I need, kind of needed the job. And I was always going to go into the military one way or the other. So I joined up. And this is in 81. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, back then, I mean, we still wore the solid green uniforms with the the old steel pots left over from you know you see in World War One and Korea and Vietnam. That's what we were wearing. We didn't go to the new cavalry helmets till the mid eighties. Um, but I was enlisted, so I was you know I was a private. And then um, I uh, when I went in, I started looking at things and going, well, you know, you got a high school education, one year of college, well, a few credits that you actually, classes you actually did pass and um, nothing else. So I uh, started going to school at night and what would they call off-duty education. And that, that was the thing where you know, in your time, after you were off your duty, off your regular day and everything, you could go to school at college at night, so on the base, and, uh, you know, I went to the University of Maryland. I went to Emory-Riddle University. Um, that's where I finally matriculated from was Emory-Riddle with a bachelor's degree. But I'd be very proud of you, by the way, for using the term matriculated. Yes, yes, it is a very nice word. It shows that I do have an education. Um, anyway, uh, so I, um, I uh, and so the government paid 80% of your tuition. I had to pick up the other 20%. And back then you actually had to buy a book, a textbook and read the book. It wasn't all online. We didn't have the internet and everything like that. Um, but uh, so I got my degree and in 91 during the Gulf War, I was a sergeant and I got asked to go to officer candidate school, OCS to become an officer. So I'd been to army boot camp in 81, switched over to the Marine Corps in 84, went to boot camp, Paris Island. And now here I am almost 30 years old going to officer candidate school, basically my third boot camp. I was an expert in boot camp. Um, and, uh, became an officer, but what was interesting about becoming an officer is my perspective changed. Other than the fact that I was an officer, I started paying attention to the weapon systems that we had yeah. and why we had them and how we got them. And as the higher up in rank that I moved, the more I saw how tied in, uh, the, the generals were you know one to four star generals were, yeah. were more polit political and how we as a military were really tied to the whims of the uh congress and the um the defense contractors who built our weapon systems and um the influences that that had as well as any uh particular battles we were in the middle of or conflicts or things like that it was kind of interesting seeing that that seems to be such a big thing, especially now, now we dovetail into a little bit of the world, at least I understand. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't, I, I never had experience with boot camp or any camp. I don't think I own boots. Um, but 
Well, I don't have a horse, Steve. Well, you know, okay. We all have problems to work through. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that idea of the political nature of give us money, we want to build you this thing. You may not need this thing. Yeah, you know, and or, or do you, or is that well, kind of a the the, be, the best way I can for personal experience? Um, you, know, you have you heard of the AV8B Harrier, the Harrier, the one yes. the airplane that can take off you know from the ground and turns around circles, it you know takes off like a helicopter and flies all over the place. Yeah. Um, McDonnell Douglas, it's now Boeing, or it was Boeing, and now it's McDonnell Douglas. I don't know which way it goes. You know, it started that thing. And it was the English came up with the Harrier jump jet. Um, this is in the 80s. It was first introduced to the Marine Corps in January 85. And I was, you know, I was in then um, in 85. And I remember the, the discussion, the talk, and I was enlisted at this point, and, but I was hearing about how the Harrier was going to be since we are a unit the marine corps goes in first and we're small and we're always close to the battles and everything if, if not in the middle of it and everything and how the harrier instead of flying in from a long way away 30 40 miles that the uh, jets have to do traditionally you know like the you know the air force has yeah um but the harrier since it could just take off from anywhere would literally be right on the edge of the battlefield and when we needed a heavy airstrike because all art, because all the only thing a freaking jet is with bombs is a flying artillery. It's just you know instead of having an, a you know artillery piece, it's flying artillery. Um, and we would be able to just get on the radio, get on the hook as we call it, call up, do an airstrike. It would literally fire up its engines, take off, fly in, smack whatever we needed the enemy, and then fly back real quick, land, refuel, rearm, and it was just a quick turnaround time. That was the theory. Good theory. It never worked out. Jeez. Mm, because, you know, when a lot of the times when they would start vectoring the thrust downward to get the, get the aircraft off the ground, of course, it blows up, you know, dust, dirt, rocks, twigs, sticks, small cats, small children, whatever's in the area. It's a lot of thrust and everything. But a couple of things happen. Other than blowing debris everywhere, which is now being sucked back into the engines, and jet engines are not real fond of having rocks, cats, and sticks into them, as well Little as Jimmy, people, yeah, or the occasional person who gets sucked into the vent, um, which chokes out the engine, that um, it would cause fires or it would melt the tarmac because of so much jet thrust being vectored downward it would literally melt whatever ground was underneath it mm-hmm. so if it was if it was on blacktop it melted it if it was on concrete after a while the concrete would get so hot it would really start popping and breaking and everything like that so they realized well we you know we can't do it the way we thought so they moved them back and the running joke that we had about the harrier it was called because this is in north carolina the carolina lawn dart they were Jesus. crashing all the time it was just like a lawn dart game um i remember very clearly, this one carrier was taking off at uh, at uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina, and it got up. And this is before they had all the fancy electronics that they have on it now. And it got to wobbling, you know. So you you figure like doing a, a wing wag and everything. Um, and by the the pilot, the, by the time the pilot figured out that he couldn't um, hold it and that he was going to have to punch out of it, but when he punched out of it. The aircraft at that point had become so unstable, it literally rolled up 90 degrees to the uh, ground. So instead of it being wings level, it was basically on, it's on its edge. Yeah, perpendicular to the ground. He punched out. He literally, when, it, when that ejection sheet shot, shot uh, ignited and fired out of it, he literally shot himself through a hangar. The doors are open on both sides. But the guys are sitting there working on aircraft, you know, jets and helicopters. And this pilot, you know, they looked over and they see the pilot come shooting through sideways. And then the chute opened up, but he ended up smacking into the ground head first because he was only like 20 feet off the ground yeah. when he ejected and everything. Of course, it killed him and everything and the Harrier crashed. So it was a very unstable aircraft. But the, the point being is it didn't work. Well, this took a depressing turn, Steve. No, no, no. It's the fact. People, look, people die in the Marine. People die in the Marine Corps and the military all the time in training. That's just that's the fact. God, we lost so many people. We lost so many people to training accidents when I was in. It was just 
it wasn't pretty, but it happened. Um, when you train to fight in a combat and you train like you're going to fight, your people are going to get killed or through accidents or get hurt. I did. I got, I didn't get killed. I got broken. I got yeah, pretty good for a dead guy. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. Um, I got, I got broken bones, things like that. I've broken my finger so many times. It went from my nose four times, you know, my back twice, you know, it's just stuff that happens. Um, but anyway, it didn't work. That's the point. It was, it was an aircraft that the concept was great. Execution was crap. But interestingly, the generals, the high ranking generals always kept pushing the aircraft. We need to improve. We need to keep working at it. We need to keep going over the concept and everything. And when these generals retired, you know who a lot, especially in the aviation side, because those are the generals pushing the aircraft, because you have the air wing side of the Marine Corps, and then you have the ground side, who like the infantry, and you know the guys who walk for a living. A lot of these generals, you know who they went and went, worked for when they retired? Those Boeing, companies. Boeing or McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. Because they kept pushing the aircraft. And at that point, it really kind of dawned on me how tied in to these defense contractors a lot of these upper officers were. You know, that it wasn't, I didn't see it as a healthy relationship because for me, you know, when you, and you know, and I, and I never knew anybody got killed from the Harrier, but you hear enough stories, the Marine Corps is small enough. It's like all of us who are, we call ourselves normal, looked at it from a practical standpoint and said, just get rid of the aircraft. And in fact, here, here's another one. One of the aircraft we started looking at back in the eighties that we loved, that another force didn't want, the A-10 Warthog. Oh, Yeah. The Marine Corps loved that aircraft. The Air Force hated the aircraft. The Air Force hated it because it was slow. It was ugly. It didn't do, you know, a thousand miles an hour. It wasn't fast. But its role as a ground attack aircraft was fantastic, which fit, which fit the Marine Corps perfectly. So we were like, am I, am I wrong? And, and for those who, just because I've been lucky in my career and my time to have know you and consider you a friend and our friend Doug in the Air Force, with that experience, Air Force like is like owning a sports car. Marines are like owning a really good off-road pickup truck. Both have a purpose, but they're completely different in the sense they're of completely different. Yeah, usefulness. The Air, right. The, the 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 Marines, the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, and the Coast Guard, we all have our own mission. Yeah. And the and they don't cross. You know, and we don't even play well together. We do. We, we, we do joint operations, but we're, we're just different services and different attitudes, different personalities. Um, the, but the Air Force is like owning a Porsche, you know, great aircraft, especially their fighter jets go fast, high. And, you know, at 30,000 feet, you don't even see the enemy. The Marine Corps, our pilots, our, our ground pilot, our fighter pilots, they train at 500 feet, dropping bombs and lower if need be. 500 yeah. feet, being at 30,000 feet is unheard of. You know, you can't hit anything at 30,000 feet. You know, now granted, I'm back from the 80s and 90s, so you know we didn't have the smart bombs and everything. But you know, when you, when you've got a, uh, a an F-18 rolling in with with four or 500 pound you know dumb bombs, we call them. They aren't laser guided, and you're on the ground with the radio. Talking to talking to the pilot and where you want the bombs, you want to make sure those hit where you want them to hit. Um, but anyway, the point being back to the, the Warhog, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Warhog yeah. is we loved it, and the, and the, the Air Force was never really liked it. So they were talking about getting rid of it in the in the mid eighties, in the mid to late eighties, and they had only had it for a couple of, since like seventy nine eighty. They hadn't had it very long. And their pilots hated it because it was slow and ugly and wasn't a slick jet and everything. And then um, when the Air Force got wind that the Marine Corps wanted that aircraft, they all of a sudden wrapped their, it became territorial. No, 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 no. We're going to keep it. We're going to hang on to it. And, and you guys don't, you know, you Marines don't need this type of jet, but it fit our mission for ground attack. Yeah. And now they're getting, now the A-10s getting, They've, they've made a decision in this last budget. The Air Force is getting rid of the A-10. They're saying it, it doesn't meet the, the next war with China. I mean, that was an article I read the other day. I was like, oh, so we're going to war with China. That has been decided. And that goes back to the military-industrial complex that I was talking about. I think, my opinion, and I retired as a major, so I started out as a private, 
hit the rank of sergeant, enlisted, and then became a second lieutenant. And then in 2003, when I retired, I was a major. So I've seen enough of it, of the entire Marine Corps, all aspects of it, that I think that the military influence with Congress on the military is a their influence of what they push is is bad. And especially these endless wars that never go away. Yeah. Yeah. That has to be that has to be something. Um, see, I'm not familiar as much with it. Well, like I said, not at all right. from actually being in it like you were, but mm-hmm. I'm more familiar now, when you were talking, it had dawned on me from the scientific side of mm-hmm. this, in the sense of, you know, I'm a I'm a space junkie, effectively. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. space, I like SpaceX, I, mm-hmm. I you know, if all this stuff, I, I do a lot of reading. And the crew capsule stuff, I think is interesting. Not just to get to this the 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 space station, but that they're going to be using out to try to do the Mars uh, at the, the moon and the Mars stuff. That NASA gave and awarded SpaceX the contract for the capsules and um, developed the 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 crew capsule and six missions. NASA paid. billion dollars and then for after the initial was completed by an additional eight flights for through 2030 bringing the total contract to 4.93 billion boeing complained hey we can do that too so they ended up awarding boeing Four point four billion to do development of what they're calling their Starliner and six crew flights. Hmm. Not because they needed it. Yeah. But when when you actually dig in behind the story, it was Boeing through their lobbyists went to the the right politicians who control NASA's budget. Mm-hmm. Yep, that they do. And they ended up buying this redundant platform that, as far as I know, as far as I'm pretty sure, has never launched. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know. So I can't imagine it's even it's cleaner or easier in the in the military world. Well, no. Well, here here's you know direct experience. You know because I lived it. Again, I'm old. In, in 1991, the Soviet Union, well, the collapse of the Soviet Union, what we now call Russia, was in 1991. So we're talking 32 years ago. Yeah. It was Bush and Thatcher, uh, President Bush here and um, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher, the prime minister over in, in England, it, they all talked about the peace dividend. So, so prior to this, from 1947 to 1991 was the Cold War. Yeah. Um, so the war that, you know, lots of people died in, but it was never declared as the, the USA and Soviet Union stood toe to toe. And they each tried to outspend each other and outdo each other through a military aspect. And effectively proxy wars. Yeah, through proxy wars, you know, through Russia and Afghanistan, yeah, us yeah. and Vietnam. Right. Yeah, all that crap. And then a, a million small, we call them brush fire wars, you know, that were never declared, but they were there, you know, and we had we had army guys die, we had Marines die, Navy guys die, you know, it was just a lot of lives over the Cold War. And, and the Cold War is forgotten, you know, of those of us who stood the line and held the line during that entire thing. But the point being is not, not that you know, want anything for that, but that it was when it was over, we as a country were supposed to, to benefit from this. Now we don't have, you know, the, the, you know, the bear, the Russian bear or the Soviet union bear was dead mm-hmm. and the Soviet union collapsed and then Russia collapsed. And then, you know, what was now Russia, but that turmoil was going on. We were supposed to, you know, reap the benefits we didn't have to spend as much on um 
military weapons, military development systems. We didn't have to constantly be having all of our bases manned and everything because the Cold War was over. And it was the, the guns versus butter theory. You know, that's an old term, a very yeah. old term. But, you know, what do you make? Do you make guns or do you make butter? Well, now with the Cold War being over, we were supposed to be able to make more butter than guns. We didn't skip a beat. Well, because people were getting fat on it. And by that, I mean rich. Well, extremely rich. I mean, and the, 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 industrial, the military industrial complex was just, you know, they started getting upset. Look at us. Like, Look well, at us. Look at this well, yeah. entire area. Well, yeah. Well, we well, spent 30... 20 years. Agreed. With defense contractors that buoyed the economy of the entire area. Yeah, it did. And until it went away. And that was it in 91 when the, you know, the peace dividend was going to happen, the defense contractors started getting upset because there was a cutback in military spending. There was a cutback in the need for it. We didn't have to develop Star, uh, God, what was it called? The Star, Star Wars. Star, we have Star Wars. Yeah, it was you Ronald know, Reagan, the, Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. You know, we didn't have to continue to develop that. We didn't have to have all the latest and greatest technology. We didn't have to constantly be spending money on it and everything. So they they weren't getting as much money and they were literally bitching up a storm to their lobbyists who the lobbyists were then going into Congress who were telling Congress, well, the next thing is X. The next, you know, and, and I can't remember you know, what it was, because in 1991, I was a newly minted second lieutenant. So I was just still trying to get, figure out. Well, it was effectively, wasn't it effectively peacekeeping at that point? And hey, we got to oh. do we got to do the right thing because it was Kosovo. Yeah, it Kosovo, was yeah. Iraq, Serbia. Yeah, one. Yeah. Right. Well, um, yeah, 91. And then yeah, so we started doing all these. You know, air quote, peacekeeping missions and everything. But the the it, we as a nation never took a break we never benefited from anything that we did from having you know held the line against f f the soviet union you know mm -hmm. well, you know russia and and now everybody's talking about you know then, then we have a 17 plus year war on uh um, terrorism and then we you know 17 22 yeah well 17 just passed plus years, it, it yeah. was acknowledged that we just passed 9 11 yeah. and and, and I am not somebody, I am no pacifist. I am the first of the two people having this conversation. I'm the one who loves a good fight. You know, even at my advanced age, I don't mind weighing in. For Steve, you fight. one time argued that we should declare a war on Bedford County or not Bedford, Blair County. Well, yeah. Well, you know, like you were bored one day at lunch and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I think we could take them. Yeah, I think we could. We could have. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm not saying that we as a nation should be weak. And, and not, but the, the, the amount of spending that we're doing for defense that is being pushed by defense contractors vice the needs of what the military have, they're out of whack. Yeah. They're, they're completely, they're, they're not aligned at all. You know, and, and this, this one clown was talking about uh, the article that I read about, he was getting rid of the A-10 he specifically stated in there that the Air Force didn't need it because the F-35, which is the new, you know, savior of all aircraft, which is a pile of horse crap deeper than what I have out in my barn, um, was going to be able to fulfill the role of the A-10. And having, having a very close connection in the Marine Corps and into the aviation community still in the Marine Corps, there's a lot of the, the every F-35 cost a trillion dollars and it's got a complete design flaw in it that they can't go back and fix. Yeah. And so when the pilot sees engine firelight, you know what they're told to do? Fail. Punch out of the aircraft immediately because the engine is about to explode. A trillion dollars a copy or a billion. I'm sorry, a billion dollars a copy, one billion dollars per copy. And they're told to. You know, and they can't go back and retrofit fix it. So the A10. So it's not an engine fire light; it's a explosion light. Yeah, it's pretty much your F light, and get out. Um, so at a billion dollars per copy, and it's a flaw that they cannot fix. And I got that, and that is not second or third hand information. That's first hand information.
Wow. And I will not reveal my sources, but I know that for a fact. It is a flawed aircraft. Wow. Yeah. It's just so, so, and, yeah. I don't know if you remember, and, and, and see, the thing about it is there are solutions that isn't just this constant runaway spending on this stuff. Do you remember, did you pay close enough attention back when Ross Perot was running for president? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you do you remember watching the debate with Ross Perot? It was Perot, it was Bush, and it was Clinton. Mm -hmm. And there's a great for 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 people who are not politically inclined and or not as old as Steve and I. Ross Perot was a businessman from Texas, I do believe. I think so. Um, ran as a third party candidate, mm -hmm. probably the one who got the closest to winning yeah, it was pretty far away but the closest to winning right any potentially ever game. yeah um uh, the and, and actually i think it's very interesting that we and we'll have to spend some time talking about that one of these episodes that i think kennedy might have a chance this year or next year to be even better than mm -hmm. that because now he's talking about a third party run Right. Um, yeah. but he talked about Russia and it was still that hard line. Well, they're, you know, it doesn't matter what they called themselves. And, you know, Bush being former CIA was pretty hard line. Clinton was still trying to show he was tough coming mm -hmm. from governor of Arkansas. Right. And pro was the only one who stood up in there and said, basically, we want to get these guys hooked on our economy. Right. Yep. We want to, you know, get them Big Macs and stuff, Big, you know, eating Big Macs and uh -huh. buying all our stuff. And we want yep. to buy their stuff because then people won't, they won't care. They won't want to do anything else. Because if yep. you don't, and the funny thing is, he even said, I remember the quote, there's some good old boys back in the KGB that love to take over. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Guess, guess what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 P Perot. Perot, the, the thing that I remember most about Perot, this, the quote that stuck with me when he was talking about NAFTA. And he said, when NAFTA gets signed, you're going to hear a huge sucking sound as all the business leaves America and goes to Mexico. I've yeah. never forgotten that quote. And he was dead right. Um, MGLO here in, in town, up by, used to be up by... Uh... The Pepsi plant and CTC, they made compressors yeah. and stuff. And yeah, they came out and straight said, Hey, we're going right to Mexico. And they did. Yeah. And 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 on that, in fact, that that just I was in the two MEF uh second Marine Expeditionary Forces headquarters building. I was on the general staff, and I was a major, and I'm walking through this building, and there was this big compressor sitting there. It used to be an old hospital that had been converted over. Um, Marine Corps never tears anything down. They just reuse everything. Sure. So it used to be the hospital back from World War II. And I stopped to take a look at it. And this is before I'd moved to Johnstown, but it said MGLOW, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. That's the first time I'd ever seen, I'd ever heard of Johnstown. And then huh. literally six months later, I got offered a job up at CTC. And I, and I was like, where are you? This is Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, oh, I've seen that before. And nice. Yeah, it was a big compressor. Yeah, but then, and they were, and I believe they went out of business then. No, they moved to Mexico. Right. But I mean, oh, oh, and, and, and did, subsequently they... it went because they started building crap and they either went out of business or is not as large as it used to be. But anyway, um, so Perot was correct that everything sucked off to Mexico and he was right about. The economy is if if you develop a big MGLO air compressors. This is uh -huh. about aircompressors.com, uh -huh. which, by the way, the Internet is fantastic. <laughs> Not I'm telling anybody, people who don't know this, but I mean, yeah. think about it. somebody took the time to build a Web page called about aircompressors.com. <laughs> MGLO air compressors are sold at a number of big box stores around the nation and at various online outlets and are mm -hmm. Brought into North America through MGLO Compressors, which is now a division of Jenny Air Compressors. Huh. They got bought uh, out. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, oh. About develop, if you develop in a country, 
a big middle class, United States, China, Russia, Germany, any other large, any, any country, if you build a big middle class where people are comfortable, they have food, clothing, shelter, reliable transportation, they have, they have disposable money. You make the people content. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't want to do anything. So we, we were talking about the military industrial complex. Just yeah. So let's do some numbers here. And I know numbers can be twisted, but these are, these are military expenditures by country. This is from 2019. Okay. And this is in the billions. All right. Germany, 49.3 billion. France, 50.1 billion. Russia, 65.1 billion. India, 71.1 billion. Okay, those, those are, that's a lot of money. China, 261.1 billion. Yeah. All right, so, so Russia, which we're all worried about Russia, 65 billion. Russia, 261. Four, no, 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 wait, wait, I you mean, got to um, flip. Russia, 65. China, 261. Yeah. Four times what, do you know what ours is? 732 billion 732 billion china is 261 billion 700 yeah so so everybody's worried about russia at 65 billion we're at 732 billion this is in 2019 now billion and then China is 261. And then you throw the rest of the world out, that's 241 billion wrapped up. So we, 732 billion dollars in 2019 on military expenditures. And I'm a military guy from a military family with 240 plus years of service to the nation. So I can say this, that is complete bullshit or how much we're spending. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So if you had 700, that's 70 million, uh, 700, 7 seven billion, seven, is that divided by... I'm doing math for those of you who can't see me struggling. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. I was wondering what you're doing. I was like, you know, because you ran out of fingers and toes pretty quickly. So you're doing... dollars a person in the United States. So each one of a us year. spends $2,200 to feed the military industrial complex. Yeah. To what end? And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, and I'm actually the, surprised the by those. The numbers are, we, we know it's not a big surprise about the, the actual number is probably a surprise, but it's not a big surprise the United States is the biggest. China's big number makes sense to me hmm. based on their geopolitical ambitions. goals and ambitions. Yeah, their ambitions and stuff. Right. France and Germany? What right. like right. what? You know, typically historically, look look, because is England on the list? Uh, hang on a second. Israel, Canada. Israel's 20 point. I'm, I'm gonna round these off. 21 yeah. billion. Um United Kingdom, 49 billion. Okay, okay. So not not 49 billion, United Kingdom, England, Germany, 49 billion, France, 50 billion, Saudi Arabia, 62 billion. Wait, Russia, wait, go those third, those three. Those three. Just France, Germany, Germany, Great Britain. Okay. England, as I call them Italy. England. Yeah. 49. Yeah. Germany, 49. France, 50. These are okay. in billions. So they're all about equal. Uh-huh. N not counting everything since, say, let's say 1948. Mm -hmm. United Kingdom, France, and Germany. Who did those countries fight the most since, I don't know, the dawn of time? Pretty sure each other. Each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've pretty much been, yeah. Except so, for that one time Margaret Thatcher decided that the Falcon Islands were going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the Falcon War. You know, anyway. Um, but, 
but that's just nuts to me that okay so why those being that high is actually very surprising to me yeah well but here's what kind of gets me as i'm looking okay china i get it china wants to be the world yes china completely understand yeah got it and china doesn't think in years like we do china thinks in generations they they think about where we want to be in this generation not Mm -hmm. where do we want to be in five years I mean, the bloody United States, we say we, we can't think past the next hour, let alone where we want to be in, in several generations. Chinese companies, a good example, um, and I've actually studied this, is they do think that long term. Mm-hmm. American companies, we think quarterly. Right. What yeah. are our quarterly numbers going to show right. to make sure the stock price hits the right yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay, we've handled these three months. What's the next three months? Right. Yep. And but. All over the news. It's a cultural thing. It's just yeah, yeah. it's cultural. Yeah. All over the news, it's Russia, 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 Russia. 65 billion. To compare to 732 billion. Mm-hmm. Russia's nothing. And that's not disparaging Russia as a nation or the people or anything like that, because really don't care. It's just that their numbers, their spending is not a big threat. It's actually on par with pretty much the rest of Europe. And and Russia's much bigger than Europe. Russia's we could drop much the bigger than Germany and Russia France and, and, and it would it's it's we pale yeah. in size size wise and everything. Well here, here's here's my question high. then. Let's let's posit this theory. We hear that then, Russia, Russia, Russia. Is this part of the further fervor to keep that spending high, playing on those old fears that I'm I'm a little old I'm a little young enough not to have had the fear so Soviet Union I don't remember it let me put yeah, it that way I'm just I'm just enough. young enough that <laughs> it wasn't a thing mm-hmm. but the people who do remember I do. The hiding under your desk, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, where are they around every corner spy right. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, a th- to me, I'm wondering, I look at that and I look at those numbers and I say, is that a marketing tool? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like playing up to your arrival when your football team stinks. Even if your football team stinks, Pitt's playing West Virginia. Not saying that, well, after last week's game, they might. But (laughs) who cares? Those are the bad guys. Those are West Virginia. That's Penn State versus Pitt. Or that's Georgia and and Alabama or whatever. So got to go with the rival. So does that, is it a marketing thing more than anything else? Well, I wonder. I mean, because it makes sure people are willing to pay that much money. Yeah. And I know China and I know China's a rising threat. I mean, I said that basically in a farewell speech when I was leaving the Fleet Marine Corps to um go over to finish out basically my top my final tour in the Marine Corps. And I was leaving the Marines that I was had trained for years. And I said the right I said we were we're you know in the middle of um fighting the global war on terrorism. And I said I said, and probably in about 10 to 15 years from now, you're going to have a young private or second lieutenant with the same last name. I said, that's my son. I'm asking all of you who are still in at that time, take care of him. And I said, it's a generational thing with my family. We all serve. And I said, but I'm going to tell you, based off my experience, the rising threat that we need to keep our eye on is China. Mm-hmm. I said, China is a rising threat against us. We need to gear our military for them. I said, all the stuff that's going over in, in the Middle East and everything, I said, you know, and, and Germany, you know, having all these bases in Germany and all around, that are all left over from the Cold War is, a, is an old way of looking at things. I said, we need to look at what do we have to do to the rising threat of China. Um, and I said that 22 years ago, yeah. 22 years ago. Um, so looking at the expenditures, well, yeah, you know, China is spending a lot. They're not spending anything near that we do. But I mean, we're we're almost triple, we're double, easily doubled what they spend, two and a half times what China spends and everything. But 
but to what end? What do we get? A tr- we get a, a billion dollar airplane with a design. Are, are you two and a half times safer than the average citizen of China? Is basically the the what it boils down to. I, I are we ten times safer than a person in Germany or Russia or Russia? Oh yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. Are we ten times safer? And yeah, you know, and, no, yes, and, and, I, you know, well, versus, and it's, it, you can't, it's, it, that's, that's in a way that's an unfair comparison because in actuality, what is our actual geographic threats? We're, yeah. we're not really bordered against, you no. know, we, we lucked out with these two giant oceans. Yeah. And, and we got and, Canada to the north and we got Mexico yeah, to the south. What's Canada going to do? That's about it. They want to play yeah. hockey with us. So what? Right. That's great. Yeah. I love and bring, it. And bring maple syrup and good beer. Um, yeah. So, to me, as as I look at it, it is it comes back to to what end? It never, it never, never, ever ends. And, and you're you're talking to a man who studied Soviet war doctrine, Soviet doctrine for warfare. Mm-hmm. Studied it, knew it. It's, I knew. I, I say I knew it inside and out. I knew it well enough that I had a great working knowledge of it and everything. And then, so we went up against the Soviets. I was ready for their tactics and everything. Understood it. Understood the psychology of this, how they trained the Soviet draftees that were brought in and everything. Knew their tank doctrine and everything. Um, but when I, when I look at our spending compared to the Soviet Union, 232, $732 billion to $65 billion. Yeah. If 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 the Russia was the threat that we see on the evening news like it is, why is the Ukraine war still going on? They should have steamrolled that little country. Yeah, and they aren't. No. So if they were that good, it should have been it should have been a week and over with. But it's not. Anyway, yeah. So. No, and I think I think the point, and it is hard to to throw the, any one comparison and say why didn't they? You know, well, you have enough. You and I have lived through enough things on the business side of things to know that sometimes giving more money doesn't solve always, a problem. No, 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 no. But sometimes giving having that much more money mm-hmm. solve any problem. <laughs> well, good. Um, yeah. but it is it is an interesting concept from a domestic picture of the kind of the priority. And I think it's interesting that there is less and less, not I don't want to say less and less concern, but it is seem like it is so much tied to economic push. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you in a vacuum would say like we went through up here in Cambria County, I think a lot of people would listen to this and I think they'd say, oh, geez, that's a lot. We're spending a lot on that, you know, and I'm sure the next thing would be, why isn't that going into education? Why isn't that going into social security, infrastructure? Why isn't that just coming back to the people and and not lower the taxes and or or whatever you think? Until it's okay, cool. Let's let's we all agree. We're going to do that. We're going to pull out the helicopters from the Cambria County Airport. Mm-hmm. That's a cost saving. No, 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 can't do no no, we can't lose right. that here. Yeah. Yeah. Just like BRAC, when the base alignment and reduct uh base BRAC, base closure and alignment reduction. Yeah. Um I, I'm I'm blanking on what the exact definition was. I'm pulling it up. I'm and, on it. And people lost their minds when bases were going to be shut down. Now, I never agree with shutting a base down in base the realignment States. and closure. Yeah, I never, uh, I never agree with ever shutting a base down in the United States. What I always stated, even as an officer, and this didn't go over well, was saying, "Why do we have? Why do we still maintaining bases in Germany? Why do we still have bases in Spain? Why do we still have bases, you know, uh, um, in Japan? Mm-hmm. That's all left over from World War. Those are all left over from World War Two. Yeah. 70 plus years ago, it's left over from the Cold War. You know, so I would say if you're going to shut bases down, we have bases in Okinawa. I was there. We used to get protesters every year. They got tired of us being there. Um, and I don't hear anything about I don't, they still might do it, but 
I've never, I remember hearing those news stories and it was like clockwork. You just knew, yeah. like there were certain yeah. stories every once yeah. a, once a year had come up. It was the protesters in Okinawa. It was the yeah. flag football game at Thanksgiving. It's the poor, yeah. the poor yeah. soul they sent out for Black Friday the day after mm-hmm. to interview some guy trying to get a cheap TV. Yeah. And, you know, you just know every time of the year, right. it's some yeah. poor guy at the post office when you mailed in your taxes reporting we're here at the post office and there's a lot of you know it just was yeah. clockwork right yeah i haven't seen that lately i wonder yeah. if the protesters even got tired because it's been so long i don't know well i remember back in the 80s when they were be coming up and they'd be storming the gates and they'd be pushing on the gates and everything we we as marines were armed with our m16s put in a 30 round magazine racked around into it and drew down on them and we were just waiting you know a line yeah. of marines shoulder to shoulder m16s which is a bit intimidating, um, but the, but the idea that we were go- we may have been given the order that they busted the gate to literally just start shooting civilians. Um, but anyway, the point being is, I got off track there. I, I digress. Well, I'm no, and it never got that far. But no, that was the that concern that the yeah, because, the, well, the, co- the command had that it would right. It that, could that. Why do we have all these bases? If we're going to shut bases down. Shut the bases down overseas. Bring our men and women back home and flush out the bases here. Because a base is an economic boon to any community. Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous the amount of money that the base pumps into a community. But don't shut but shut them down overseas. Don't have them overseas, left over from the Cold War era. Have them here. Anyway. I've got no, and it does. It does make sense. And then I've always wondered that, and from you know, kind of thinking from a technical standpoint, being more of a technical person, mm-hmm. is you always see these interesting news bits and read articles and stuff about the the ability to push global influence without those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Aircraft carrier groups, submarines, uh, yeah. you know, aircraft that okay, maybe. You need one base in Europe, and that's it. Not a bunch of, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, more efficient, this kind of stuff. Oh, we have drones. Geez, there's people flying drones that are sitting in an office. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Someplace yeah. and halfway yeah. around the world, they're just flying around playing like a video game. Yeah. I, doing I just... surveillance and spying mm-hmm. on all kind of stuff. And it doesn't even count what they could be thinking about doing with satellites. Yeah. I think it's really just gotten to a point where we need to, you know, that we need to just stop. Yeah. Hit, hit the brakes and think through what we as a nation really want, what's important to us and rethink it. But right now the, the military, the military industrial complex has a ridiculous stranglehold on us as a nation. And if they don't like what I'm saying, they can kiss my entire ass. I don't care. I've got enough experience to know what they're up to, what they're doing. And it's between them and Congress. Congress is just as bad at it. All of the um, lobbyists and everything. And then when it comes to the to the generals, the higher up generals who are more politicians than they are warriors, they're paper tigers. You know, they're, they're not real warriors or anything. They're just tied into getting their job when they get out. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this has been a little bit of a detour from where we started, but uh, I think this was an interesting concept. Yeah, well. And, and and I appreciate the conversation about it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Just Oh, well, just to correct myself or not to but to finish up my point I was making earlier. Oh. I just mm-hmm. looked it up. Um Boeing Starliner will not be tested until March of 2024. Oh, jeez. So SpaceX did it, built it. Yeah tested it launched a bunch of missions and are using and they're already into their second group of missions and boeing is still working on getting it into the air yeah four billion plus bucks yeah not need yeah yeah anyway so i would like a refund please yeah i just i don't want four billion just give me enough to pay off my house and that that in in today's society in congress I think these congressmen have it in their desk drawers. So that's it. Just send me a check for that. We'll call it even. I'll shut up. Anyway. Hey. I'd be happy if they built me a house on the moon. I don't want to go leave. I like where I live. Um, I think the moon would be fun. 
tell 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 anybody that's listening to us how they can support us because I, ha- I have to I, I actually have to go to work so. oh nice <laughs> yeah, oh we have been going for about an hour yeah we've um, been going a little over an hour now so. well we want to thank you all if you want to learn more and, and support us and recommend us to your friends anything that you could do to do uh, to, to, to help us do this would be so much better across the board including not having people call me while the podcast is going on yeah uh, that will be rectified um <laughs> nah it's fine well maybe it'll be somebody fun next sometime and we'll put them on the air um you can go to thoughtprovokingblokes.com and pull up the web page and you will see i'm going to bring it up right now you'll see our uh the ability to uh find us on your different uh, your favorite service uh, as well as listen to the episodes right there on the on the web page and if you like what you're hearing tell you know help us out and by that i mean tell a friend share it with you know your family um you know who knows i think your grandmother would love us probably um or if you want to support us and just help us with the hosting fees and stuff there is a link there want to send us two bucks because you got two bucks worth of entertainment out of this the value for value system is how we do this we do not take sponsorship because we want to talk about it Mm -hmm. and we want to talk about these things because how do we have a conversation like we did today and then i read an ad for boeing right yeah it probably wouldn't go over real well (laughs) yeah boeing would be would be uh what's that term that they use d um what's that term when you you Deplatformed. Deplatformed. There we go. They'd yeah, be deplatforming us pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. But you can't deplatform us. Right. Because we, we don't have a anybody. platform to begin right. with. That's right. You can't take <laughs> away what we don't got. That's right. But if you have it, if you like it, if you want to share it, feel free. Use that link, thoughtprovokingblokes.com. Hit it up on social media. Put it, write it on, write it on dollar bills and put it into the, your church fund. When it comes to no, don't actually do that. That's probably a bad idea. Steve, thank you very much for spending today with you. All right. Good talking to you again. I'll talk to you later. See you. See everyone next week.